Well, we did start a new series last week called The Wisdom. We're calling The Wisdom of God. You know, the first message is online. If you didn't hear, didn't see it, weren't here with us, I encourage you to go back, listen to that, catch up with us, and it'll be a blessing to you. Um, and that's available on the website, on audio and video. Let's look at Proverbs 9, verse 10. This is where we started last week. Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of your life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. Verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. As we get going here. It says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the, ages of the, of, uh, before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And verse 6 says, We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, we, but we speak the wisdom of God. In a mystery. The wisdom of God. Now we read uh, just a few definitions of wisdom. We generally know what wisdom is. Wisdom is understanding. Wisdom is knowing what to do. Some things that just the dictionary says, it's the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. What is going on beneath the surface. It's good sense or judgment. And so when somebody says, well, that person has wisdom, it means they judge well. They, they have good sense. It can mean a generally accepted belief, just what people consider wisdom. Accumulated philosophical or scientific learning, knowledge like the wisdom of mankind or the wisdom in a certain area. It can mean a wise attitude, belief, or course of action. But what true wisdom is, these are all just generally when people refer to wisdom, that's just the, dic the dictionary definition of wisdom. But what true wisdom is, is the mind of God. It's what God would do, would think, would say, the way God sees is true wisdom. If you could know the mind of God, you would know wisdom. Well, the Word of God is the wisdom of God. It is the truth of God. When, you know, there's the gifts of the Spirit, one of them is a word of wisdom. It's a word of wisdom. That means it's just a portion. But it's coming, it's a portion of the wisdom of God for a circumstance, for a situation. You, you can't have anything higher than that. To know what God would say to do in a specific situation, well, if you know what God would do, you have the ultimate answer. It isn't opinion. It isn't trial and error. You know, 
It's not somebody's experience. It is exactly the right thing. That's true wisdom. God's, when you talk about a word of wisdom, you know, it's like this. We're not going to get into that part. But, you know, if you were to go to get counsel from a lawyer, well, he's not going to give you everything he knows about the law. You'd be paying a lot of money. You probably could go to law school yourself, plus all the experience he has. But you're going to ask him something specific on a specific issue, and he's going to give you, you could say, a word of his wisdom. Here's what you should do in this area. Here's the statutes that apply. Here's the, you know, the, the different areas you need to watch out for. It's a, it's a portion. Well, the wisdom of God is unfathomable. But to know what he says about any situation... If you know what to do, if you know what he says, well, you know the truth in that situation. So true wisdom is what God would say. You don't need to function the gifts of the Spirit all the time to have the wisdom of God. The Word of God is God's wisdom revealed. And he's given us the, the, the gifts of the Spirit to flow in certain areas. But the wisdom of God, true wisdom is the mind of God for any situation. Now, to tap into that, we just read in Proverbs 9, verse 10. You want to put that up real quick before we put a few more verses. Proverbs 9, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There are different types of wisdom. We just read the dictionary definitions. We saw, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 real quick. It says, however, we, see, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. See, differentiating. We are speaking wisdom, oh, but not the wisdom that some people would think is wisdom. We're speaking true wisdom. Well, what's that? That's the wisdom of God. It says here, Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. Verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God. Well, we, if you go to Job 28, 28, we'll, we'll read this, we're going to read several verses here that say something similar to what we read in Proverbs that it's the fear of the Lord that you tap into that type of wisdom, the wisdom of God. Job 28, 28 says, And to, to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. How do you tap into true wisdom? This is what I want you to see. We're going to get into this today. How, what is the gateway? It's the fear of the Lord. You can get into other wisdom other ways, but if you're going to tap into true wisdom, the true nature of things, true understanding, understanding that will bear up under any circumstance, any condition, because it is the counsel in the mind of God, the first step is the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord, you're going to see this over and over, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean you see Him and run away scared. That's not that type of fear. The fear of the Lord is reverence. It is honor. It is def deference. It's, Lord, I honor you. I serve you. I reverence you first. That's the gateway to true wisdom. 
It says, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. In other words, any, if, you, if there is no fear of the Lord, if there is no reverence, it's not wisdom. Because if he is the author of wisdom, and the first thing you do is turn your back on him, what could be more unwise than that? You know, that'd be like you, you working on a piece of machinery that you're not familiar with at all, and somebody gives you the manual, and let's see, it's pretty intricate, not something you're going to just be able to figure out just by looking at it, and the first thing you do is like, don't need that. Well, where are you now? Well, if, if true wisdom is the mind of God, and the first thing you say is, God, well, what have you just done? Anything that you're going into, it's not going to be wisdom. And people may call it wise, and the Bible just said, we'll probably get into that more later in the series, and we tap, touched on it a little bit the last time, but there are different types of wisdom. There are what men call wisdom. But if it doesn't line up with what God said, it's not wise. It's, it, if somebody's calling it wise, that doesn't mean it's truly the mind of God. And if it's not the mind of God, ultimately it's flawed. Anything truly wise is based on Him, His truth, His mind, His, his wisdom, His word. Let's look at Psalm 111, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Same thing. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. So it's saying a good understanding have those who do His commandments. Those that, if you're doing His commandments, that means you're listening to what He said. That means you automatically have some understanding because you're listening to Him. His commandments are His wisdom. They're the right thing. If we look at his commandments, I don't have to do that. Well, then we're just, we're throwing, we're going right in the face of wisdom. But you have good understanding if you're doing his commandments, if you're doing what he said, because that is wisdom. He, in other words, God has never told us to do anything that is unwise, period. There's nothing that's like, well, we don't need that part of his counsel. No, it's always, it's always right. Proverbs 1, 7, we read some of these last week, but I want you to see this phrase in here. Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, true knowledge. Yeah, you can know some things. You can know 2 plus 2 is 4 and never believe God. But true knowledge, in other words, knowledge that's going to be transcendent, wisdom, the right application of knowledge, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise being instructed in the ways of God. Proverbs 14, 26 says, The fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord, there is confidence. Well, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then by, by honoring Him and reverencing Him, you just put yourself in a position of strength because you're going after true counsel, true wisdom, true life. 
So it says there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. Well, if you're following true wisdom, you're going to be where you need to be doing the right thing because you're following wisdom. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Reverence for God is a fountain of life. If he is the life giver, if he's the creator of everything good, then to reverence him and honor him and do what he would say, well, there's life there. And, and if we go away from him, there's not life. It says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn away from the snares of death. How would you get away from the death that's in this world? Look to God, reverence him, do what he said, and there's a fountain of life there. Well, if you have a fountain of light, you're walking in wisdom. The fear of the Lord leads to true life. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. You know, the further I go in life, you don't have to live your whole life out before you figure out exactly what this is saying. You know, this is written by Solomon when he had gone away from God. He wasn't as close to God at this point as he was at one point. But even in that state, he said this, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. But you know, the longer you live, the longer I live, I can see... I mean, there's so much activity, so much stuff going on in, in life, you know, through different times in life. But when all the dust settles, it is about worshiping God, honoring Him, doing what He said to do with your life. We all have a very short period of time here. I don't care if it's 120 years, it's still really short. And we only have, there's so many distractions and so many mirages in this earth. You know, you go through different phases of life and stuff tries to vie for your attention and you see people at different ages, young ages, they're, they're doing the same thing that the people that were young 30 years ago did, might look a little different, but doing the same things, same occupations, same, like I said, it looks different, but it's the same type of thing, same interactions. And you see people that are a little older, you know, same type of, occupations, distractions. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. But as you sum it all up, we're here for a short period of time, and did we, are we doing what God would have us to do? Do we know Him or not? It says, this is man's all. That's not an exaggeration, because when you take everything away, we're going to stand before God, and what did we do? It's not going to be the amount of stuff we had, not going to be the titles that we had, not going to be how many people we knew. It's going to be what did we do for him and how is our relationship with him now that we're standing face to face. That's it. How does that start? A good relationship with him. Reverence. Do you believe? Is God? Some people, you mentioned God. Pff, there's no God. Jesus, pff. Despite, that's the opposite of reverence. That is lightly esteeming. That is despising. Well, there's a gap there. Jesus has died for every person. But how do you come to him? How do you come to God through Jesus? You've got to acknowledge he is. God is on the throne. Acknowledge that I, am, I need a Savior. And the only way 
to God is through Jesus. That takes, you have to revere him. You have to honor, you have to say, look, it's not me. It's not what I can do. It, Lord, I honor you. I believe what you said about Jesus. I receive him. I confess him. I bow my knee. That's reverence. Well, the Bible calls Christ is the wisdom of God. Looks foolish to men. We'll maybe get into that again later in the series. But what, what, is, the, what is the gateway? It's saying, God, I... I don't know everything. I, I, I reverence you. You are God. Well, that is true wisdom right there. Somebody that does that, they just stepped into true wisdom. And you don't have to physically bow your knee in every area. It's a, it's a heart attitude as you walk through life. You might be in a store and you're inside. You're like, I'll do this. You might be on the job. I'll, do, I'll, I'll honor you. It's, you're, you're bowing your knee. That's true wisdom. You just stepped into what is true wisdom because now you're open to what he says. And what he says is right all the time. Nothing we can come up with is ever going to be better than what he has already said on the matter. Nothing you can come up with for your life or I can come up with my life is going to be at all better than what he already knows and has planned for you. And we could go, we could talk about that the whole time, but the plan of God for our life, how do you tap into that? Lord, whatever you want, you know. Well, you just tapped into his perfect plan. If you start yielding to him, now you're walking in his right plan. There's nothing you can come up with that's better than that. That's going to be his wisdom. That's going to be his truth, his life. Every area when we have this attitude, Lord, I, I reverence you, I reverence you. Every area of our life that we put that attitude into place, we tap into his plan and his wisdom for that area. Lord, I, I, I honor you in my marriage. Well, you just tapped into the wisdom of God for that relationship. Whereas you say, I don't know about the Bible, but hey, this book this guy read, or this guy wrote, I read that book, and this guy's right. If it contradicts the Bible, it's wrong. How about, you know, parenting? People say, well, there's so much in the Bible that talks about parenting, but this day and age, people, oh, well, that's old-fashioned. If it's in the Bible, it's not old-fashioned. It's right. You just haven't figured it out yet. You think you have something new, you have something that's wrong. Period. If God's with, does God know how to raise children or not? He does. He knows what they need, what they don't need. Does he know how a marriage is supposed to work? Yes, he does. Does he know how we ought to be, how it works in a relationship with an employer? Yeah, he does. Does he know how to have a relationship with employees? Yeah, he does. Does he know how we need to work with our bodies? And I mean, we all have different bodies, same general body, but you know we're all different. Does he know what you need? Yeah, he does. Well, if we say, well, I, and I don't know about the Bible, I'm going to go over here and do this. Well, if it contradicts the word, there's going to be gaps and holes in it. And then you don't want to be the guinea pig that's finding that out. God's word is tried and true. It's tested. It will work. You will find no gaps in it. But somebody's theory, I don't care if it worked for several people, looks like it's working. 
if it's not based on the Word of God, you don't want to be the person that's the exception and find out about it 20 years after you started. Oh, geez, actually, that's not really good for you. Sorry, it was the best we had. Well, God's wisdom will direct us and guide us all through in every situation. We seek Him and His wisdom and His knowledge. Well, that's how we tap into what He has to say. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Telling the children of Israel, this is how you approach God. You'll love Him with all your heart. All your soul, with all your strength, you're, you're having reverence to Him. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to reverence Him, to walk in all His ways and love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you today for your good. Jesus referred back to these same writings in Matthew 22, verse 37. He said, it says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He said, you need to love God first. Jesus said that. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, your mind, this is the first and great commandment, referring to the Ten Commandments. We'll read that in a moment. He said, the second is like it. You shall love your, your neighbor as yourself. You can't truly love your neighbor unless you love God. Because the love of God comes into your heart. Number one, by being born again, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. But you tap into that love by honoring God. If you honor God and reverence Him, you're going to love your neighbor because you're yielding to Him. The Spirit of God is love. The Bible says God is love. You reverence Him in a situation. You're going to walk in love, so you're going to fulfill that commandment too. Relationship issues, how do you walk in true love? Well, it starts by honoring God, flowing with Him, yielding to the love of God when your flesh wants to do something else. Your flesh wants to be biting. Your flesh wants to be bitter. Your flesh wants to get even. And you say, I'm yielding to God. I reverence Him. I'm not going to put myself on the throne. I reverence Him. Therefore, now I just put myself into how to... If you're tapping into the love of God, you are going to flow with the heart of God, which is going to lead you right into the wisdom of God in the situation. Your mind may be blown. You may not understand your emotions all over the place, but you reverence Him, so you say, Lord, at Your word, not my will, but Your will, you step into walking in God's wisdom. 
any situation is like this. Exodus 20, verse 3, we just read this. Well, we read this last time, but I just referred to it. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment. You have no other gods before me. Well, one definition of a god, you could say, is it determines what you do. If, some, some, if you were to say, that is your god, well, that, what does that mean? You, you reverence that. You know, somebody will say, in, you know, they'll, they'll talk about a hobby or, or, or something in their, their life, and boy, that's your god. Well, what does that mean? That determines what you do. In other words, you organize your time around it. You organize your relationships around it. You organize everything around that because that determines what you do. The Lord said, don't have anything else before me. Well, what does that mean then? You reverence him, and now if you reverence him, you're going to flow in his ways of doing things and not be distracted by something else telling you what to do. Verse 3 says, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4 says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or is that, that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Talking about idols. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. But it said, you shall not make idols to bow now to them. Well, people, a lot of people, they don't have a physical idol, but there could be something else in our life that determines behavior. And it could be, it could be any number of things. But if it, if it takes away from what God has said, well, I know what the Bible says, but... I, this and this, these people say this, or I really need to do this, or I read this book, and they say all those things, if they put God secondary, then number one, we're not putting God first. Number two, we're going to be listening to something else besides the counsel of God in our life, and if we do that, there will ultimately be pain. There will be hurt, because it's something else. You see it all over in the world. I mean, we live in a, 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 a fallen world and where, if, where men have gone... All the problems you see in the world are because there is a devil and because there are people that make decisions going away from God. In other words, the, the state of the world is not God's will. It's not His action. It's not His wisdom. But you have the enemy... Satan, and you have people that don't listen to God, well, you get things that are not in the wisdom of God because they're wisdom of the world. Let's look at John 15, verse 1. The fear of God, though, putting Him first and going to Him first and say, Lord, I honor you, I reverence you, that's how we tap into His way of doing things and then our life can be filled with His life, like it said in an earlier verse, in His desires for us. John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Let's read verse 4 again. Jesus is saying, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So if we don't look to him, number one, we're not going to bear the fruit we should. We're not going to walk in the place we should. We're not going to walk in the plan that we should. We're going to be doing something else. Verse 5 says, I am the vine. Jesus calls himself the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. He says, without me you can do nothing. See, automatically the thought comes up, people are doing stuff all over the place and they don't believe in God. You can do stuff on the earth. That's different than doing what truly matters and following Him and doing the plan of God for eternal, something that's eternally significant. Jesus said you can't do anything apart from Him. In other words, we, our first step is, Lord, what would you have me to do? I honor you. Now what flows from that is truly significant. If Jesus, Jesus said in another place, I can't do anything. Without the, Lord, without the Father God. Here it says, you can't do anything without me. Well, is that true? Is that, is that generally accepted wisdom, quote-unquote, in the world, though? No. People consider religion kind of optional. Right? I'm talking about the world. I'm telling you, you just took a sense in the world. I'm not saying everybody believes that. But it's kind of like you do, you're a person and then you have religion, or they, what they would call religion, or something off on the side, but that's kind of secondary, and ultimately, and you see the mind of the world right now, they're all the same. All different ways to God, it doesn't matter. I mean, you have faith, and some people go to the extreme and say, well, anything religion, that, that's all the, the root of problems in the world. Because, you know, people get off and they get too fanatical about that, that's where everything bad comes from. That's anti-God. Because the truth of the matter is, we're created to worship the Lord. We're created to honor Him. We're created to know Him. It's not an optional side thing. It is the reason we exist. And to not understand that turns everything on its head. That's why people are walking around. If, if, if the... the Ideas are that religion is kind of something that's part of you, but it's not who you really are. That's not at all the reality. If you look behind the scenes, what God has set up, He created us to know Him, to walk with Him, that there is no way to God besides Jesus, and whatever you're doing, you have to come to Him to do anything of a, a, a real significance. That is completely opposite to it's a side thing. 
Well, what's the first step to even getting to the real significance? Coming to God and saying, you are God. Not maybe, not there's a question. You are God. You are the only God. And Jesus said, here, you come to me, for without me you can do nothing. Jesus is the only way. He is not an optional maybe way. He is it. Because God, the creator, created mankind. Men fe fell the only way to get them back was a ransom to pay for them. And that's Jesus. And to not understand that is to actually be just walking around over here in darkness, not even understanding why one is even on the earth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding the true nature of us. You know, questions like, well, why are we all here? It's answered in the Bible. What is my purpose? God can show you through the Word and through His Spirit what that is. Well, what's all going to happen after we leave? We don't know every detail, but we have a good idea because the Word tells us. Why do bad things happen? The Bible tells us there is an enemy. There is a devil. The beginning of all the why, we don't know everything, but we, what God has revealed to us, so many things people pose as, well, how could this ever be? But it's, it's, it's without God. Without God, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to us. But you start putting God in the picture and you say, Lord, well, I believe you. Now you tap into what he has said and the ability of the Spirit of God to direct you. And now stuff starts to line up and make sense. Not that we know everything, but we can understand some things. We can understand what the Bible tells us, that it's true. If the Bible specifically tells us something, we don't have to act like it doesn't tell us and be like, well, gosh, I just don't know. No, if the Bible says it, we can know. If the will of God is specific in an area in the Bible, you don't have to be in the dark about it, and you don't have to keep asking God about it. He told us. We don't have to act like He didn't tell us. We need to know that the Word said it, and know what the Word said, then we can say, well, He already answered this. I don't have to try to go figure it out. He gave me an answer. Now, there are things that he didn't say specifically for our life. He didn't tell us who to marry, what job to take, where to live, what school to go to. How do you find those things out? Again, go to him, honor him and say, Lord, whatever I do, I honor you. Lord, I, I know you have wisdom. Show me. And whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. Well, see, that's the start of what is wisdom for your life. The fear of the Lord starts you on the path of you truly doing what you're supposed to do and doing something that's eternally significant. Luke 22, 41, this is Jesus speaking before he went to the cross. It says, And when he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from, away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, Jesus is specifically saying this and praying this it, because in a situation, this is consecration saying, man, if there's any other way to get this thing done, 
Let's do it that way. Because he had the cross in front of him being separated from God and his flesh recoiled. But you don't have to pray this all the time. If God has told us what his will is, you don't have to say, well, if it's your will. If he, has, if he already told us, then we have his wisdom on the matter. But if, if it's something, like I was saying, is something specific to our life, what do we do in my business? What do I do in this relationship? Where should I go to college? Well, not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to seek you first. I, if I put him on the throne and say, God, what would you say about it? I reverence you. I tapped in to the true wisdom of God in that situation. You see that. Where I leave him out, I'm kind of on my own. If I go with my own ideas, then I might, you know, this is why you have to be careful about what you put in to your mind, reading books, looking at uh, videos or talks or whatever is the wisdom quote-unquote that is being portrayed or or uh, presented is it godly does it line up with the word of god because if it doesn't you are programming yourself with somebody else's wisdom and the results of that won't be the results of god's wisdom and it's subtle. And there is so much of this in the world. You can find out about anything on the internet. And if you want an instructional video, you can go to YouTube and fill, figure out how to, you know, do whatever. You do hobbies. You can figure out how to fix power tools. You can figure out how to cook and watch somebody do it. That's all, that's all great. But there is all kinds of ideas and presentations, and you can go down a rabbit hole of ideas and thought and spend your whole day and the next day and the next day and the next day following all the suggestions about a certain topic and listening, if you're not careful, to men's ideas and what you're doing is programming yourself with something that could be wisdom against what God has said. And be careful. We have to be careful of this because there's so many ideas that may sound good, but if you're not careful, you start buying into a way of thinking that's, a, that's not lining up with the Word of God. It's subtle at first. You start listening to certain ideas. Well, that sounds good. Well, okay. And you take a step away. Well, I, I don't really I, I think that might contradict something here in the Bible, but... It sounds interesting, and you take a step, and you take more steps, and pretty soon you can be where you, you are confused now. You're listening to a bunch of things that are not the wisdom of God from, from ideas that aren't putting God on the throne. See, the, if, they're, if they're not putting God on the throne to begin with, they're open to being distorted. If they're not reverencing Him, they're open to being distorted, distorted thoughts, and then you end up with something that's not wisdom, which the world is full of right now, and has been. But it's, we need to come with not, not what I would say, not my will, but Lord's, Lord, yours, what, what you would say first. Can we skip down to um, Proverbs 3, verse 5, put that up? Here 
It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Well, what's that? You're deferring to God. You're not trusting in what you know. You're saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means I'm deferring to Him. I'm reverencing Him. I'm saying, Lord, what you say is right. Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, you may know some stuff in the natural, but God's Word is telling you to do something, or His Spirit is prompting you to do something, and it says, you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What you see, what you know, what you can calculate. And then it says, verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge Him. See, what is that? Acknowledging Him, that's reverence, that's deference, that's saying... Lord, what would you have me do here? First thing, I'm going to him. Not going, oh, I got this, I'll do this. No, Lord, what would you have me to do? See, I'm acknowledging him, I'm putting him first. And then it says, and he shall direct your path. So you acknowledge him, and now you tap into something that is his way. Then he'll direct your path. Then he'll show you what to do. But what is the, what is the, the gateway? It's, Lord, I defer to you. Lord, what, what would you have me to do, Lord? See, when you say Lord, people use the word Lord, Christian circles. What does Lord mean? Lord is, you're my chief. You tell me what to do, Lord. It's not a name, per se. I mean, it's the name of the Lord. But, but we say Lord, Lord has come to mean, you're my master. It's not like, you don't use the word Lord and optional. The Lord says it, but it's take it or leave it. By using that word and bowing your knee, you are saying, Lord, it's what you would have me to do. I trust you and your wisdom and your understanding more than my understanding. Well, I just tapped into what he says. Why do I want what I say? There's not a person that can hold a candle to the wisdom and the intelligence of him. Why would I limit myself to what I can see and understand when I can tap in to what he knows and he sees and he understands and he has for me? Far beyond anything we could do. His ways are right. Amen? His ways are true. His ways are the way. His ways are wisdom. Let's look at one more verse in closing. 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. It says, Those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, he says, I will honor. Think about what that is saying. You honor him, you reverence him, you put him first. The Lord of all creation says, I will honor you. You go to him first. He'll direct your paths. You go to Him first, His life will unfold in your life, His fountain of life, His truth. But it says, 
The next part, those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those who go to him and say, eh, whatever. Eh, doesn't matter. I'll make up my own stuff. Eh, I can figure it out. Lightly esteemed means that's the same word really as despised. It means you'll be despised. So it's honor. You honor God, there will be honor. There will be his results in your life. It will, his wisdom will be evident in your life. We say, nah, whatever. That ends up with those type of results. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. He is true. He is right. His ways never change. They never fail. They never have to be redone. There is no version 2.0 of God's plan. Now, he'll work with you. Don't, under, don't misunderstand me. You mess up. You may have a different thing where we have to keep coming back to him, and he'll just keep helping you, but it was all in the plan. In other words, his plan is so right that you can mess up, and he can still help you get on because he thought about it. But he didn't ever go, oh, man, we got to redo this because I didn't think about something. Never. He knows from the beginning. He's good. Amen. Let's pray.